Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on, Spence? What's up, Christian? How's it going? What's up? Christian is also on the show. It's going to be a very fun show. We'll start with um, some news that just, I think, became official within the last hour or so as we're recording. It's over in the NBA world. Christian, congratulations. The Miami Heat have officially clinched the one seed. Um, just uh, your reaction to this pretty uh, new development. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Miami didn't actually win the first seed uh, tonight, but Spencer, your team, the Boston Celtics, they did fall uh, tonight as we were recording, April 7th on the Thursday, where – you know, Boston did lose to Milwaukee in a very close in a very close game, uh, one twenty seven to one twenty one, very back and forth. Uh, great game from you guys. Obviously, didn't get the dub, but it helped us clinch uh, the number one seed, which was awesome. Uh, and for Miami, I'm worried. I'm not gonna lie. I am very worried. Um, right now, of course, they're not all like locked in yet, but uh, Cleveland. Right now, it's Cleveland and Brooklyn in the 7-8 game. Then it's Atlanta and Charlotte in 9-10. Um, I am hoping that Brooklyn wins the 7-8. And then I don't really care who would win. I, I, would, I would say probably I would like Charlotte to somehow win. Um, but I think that's going to be more reach. I would like Cleveland to win. Uh, I think Atlanta – could definitely make a little hot streak and possibly upset us. I mean, you play Atlanta in about uh, 16 hours or so. Yeah. But, I mean, in, in forward games, Trey Young could get hot. And, I mean, Atlanta was a very bad team, and they're starting to, like, hit their stride now. They're above 500. I didn't even they're realize above 500 now, but, like, they bought, like what we thought Atlanta was, they, they, they kind of had an underwhelming season. We thought they were going to be a top four uh, Trey Young was just going to go off. They were just kind of like in and out, um, you know, the first several months and then have, you know, and then, like I said, recently, since, excuse me, the All-Star break and a little before that, they've gained a little bit of heat and momentum. So I'd be very worried if we played Atlanta. Cleveland has just not been the same since the All-Star break. Them in Chicago have been kind of flip-flopped uh, through a lot of teams. All-Star break has just not been the same. Injuries and just – it's not really chemistry issues. It's just injuries and just not playing to the level that they were and how they did early. But for Miami, it's the one seed where it's kind of like I'm worried that we may get upset in the first round. Like, that's just my feeling. If it's Brooklyn, I'd be worried because Kevin Durant is the best player oh, uh, in the playoffs at least. I think Brooklyn and Kyrie are still one of the best duos in, in basketball. It, I almost say college basketball. Like, that's not right. Um, they're one of the best duos in basketball, but the reason why they fell, you know, and are not so good right now is because of the whole Harden situation. Uh, Kyrie Irving couldn't play because of the, um, the vaccination status in New York. That just got lifted, like, I think two weeks ago or something like that. Yeah, fairly recent. So, Kyrie can now play a lot of these home games. And where before, say if the vaccination requirement was still there, we go to Brooklyn, Kyrie can't play, which would help us tremendously. <laughs> uh, even though Kevin Durant can drop 50 a night, 
we've seen Kevin Durant drop 50, close to 60, and they still lose. So I think we had more of a shot going to Brooklyn uh, before the vaccinations that got dropped by the mayor. And now I'm just hoping Brooklyn wins in the play-in, and then I would take Cleveland. Like my chain of like who I'm worried about to – like who I'm not worried about to worry about would be Charlotte, Cleveland, and Atlanta. I think Atlanta is still a very nice team. But for Miami, it's great. We got home court advantage. Uh, I would like to see us back in the finals again. I would really like it. Um, especially with fans around this time. Oh, heck yeah. And like, and especially like in the bubble, like I was not expecting this. 100%. I was not expecting us going to the finals in 2020. Given it was the bubble – does it, is the championship really count? I, I, it's just a debate. Just because you had four months off, you had a whole offseason off before going right back into basketball, it was just kind of like, eh. But still, I would I would be very surprised if uh, Miami does go super far. Uh, but I think we're a good team, and I hope we don't get swept like we did last year, which really did upset me. Because after the first game against Milwaukee, I'm like, this is going to be a good series. And then we got blown out the next three games. I'm like, oh, okay. But oh, hey, at least good right news now. for you is Milwaukee's look like it could be a two or a three seed. I think they've actually locked up. They can't be worse than three. So you wouldn't face them to the finals, Eastern Conference finals it is. Yeah. And, and, and that'd be awesome. I was just pointing out like Milwaukee sweeping us last year. No, no, I get it. And you get to avoid them. So it's good. Hopefully. And then hopefully we don't get swept in the Eastern Conference finals. And like my thing, my thing like after the first round, I don't care if we lose because I think this team, like compared to the number one seed in the West, I think if you played the number one seed in each conference, I think Phoenix sweeps Miami. Honestly, um, if we would take one game, that'd be fine. I don't care of losing, uh, other than the first round. I don't want to lose in the first round, but if we lose, it's okay unless it was like. Six, seven games, I'd be fine with that. I'd still be upset, but Miami, I don't think it's the is a top dog team. I don't think it's a favorite to win the championship going in. But I still think it's one of those teams that are like, don't sleep on us. We can absolutely whoop your butt. So, Miami, let's go, y'all. Let's go. I, mean, I, will, I will admit, I mean, if you can listen back if you want to, and I haven't written down my notes. Preseason, I had Miami as the two seed in the Eastern Conference. I was high on them. Also, you know, Brooklyn and Philly had a lot of problems that I thought Miami could sneak up and get the you know two seed behind Milwaukee. So I I was high on the Heat. Now on the flip side, I also had the Lakers as the two seed out west. But we will not we're going to ignore that for the time being. Um, also, we can't talk Heat without you know the next spot, the Bucks too. As Christian alluded to, my Celtics had to lose tonight. Um, I'm not going to say I'm happy we lost, but if there's one team I want to play in the first round, it is Chicago. So if we can stay at three, and I think we have the series on Philly that we would have the tiebreaker. Um, if we can stay three and play Chicago, you know, no Caruso, uh, no Lonzo. Um, I- I'll take it. Plus, we just played Chicago yesterday and just blew them out. And we aren't even fully healthy. They aren't fully healthy, I know, either. But we'll be healthier, and I, you know, Chicago is, I think, the best chance to advance out of the the first round of the possible because I, mean, I don't want to play Toronto. Toronto, 
it's just it's gonna be a tough matchup just because you know division rival. Um, not that it means much in the NBA, but also they play really tough basketball. So I hope it's Philly Toronto because as we saw, there might be something regarding Mar- Matisse Thibel and if he's eligible to play in Toronto, which that could be a huge factor in that series. Which okay, we'll be back next week previewing the NBA playoffs when the matchups get set in stone. But that's what we're looking like right now. Western Conference wise, you know. Phoenix is going to be one. Memphis is going to be two. Golden State, three. I mean, Dallas is four and a half game separation there. So there's a chance there could be some movement there. Almost everyone's set either making the top six or making the play in, except there's a chance because of a game and a half separation between Minnesota and Denver, where it is possible for Minnesota to jump into the sixth spot and then Denver goes to seven. Uh, but one of the drawbacks to having that play-in tournament, like the East, if you look at it, it's Cleveland is seven at nine games back. And if you look at it, 10, Charlotte, it's just two games back of Cleveland. They're very close. So that makes sense to have, you know, they didn't really separate enough. So it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Out West, it's ridiculous. Christian brought this up before. I'll let you even explain them. The East and the West, how many games back teams are. So right now, when you're just looking at the number one seed, my Miami Heat, and the number 10 seed right now, which is Charlotte, it's like all 10 teams are going to be official. It's just exactly where it's going to be confusing. But when you're looking right now, 1 to 10, it's 11 games. Charlotte is back 11 games for Miami. When you just look at 1 to 3 in the West, it's 12 and a half. So, and like I think – let me, let's look at overall where number one seed Miami is from uh, Phoenix, um, 11 games back. <laughs> so number two seed in the West, Memphis, is up three against Miami. And it's weird that Memphis is West. It's just kind of weird. But Phoenix and Miami, one to one, it's 11 games back. It's absolutely ridiculous how loaded the West is. And, like, the e, I think the champion's going to come out of the West. I think Phoenix has a very good shot. Memphis was on, like, what, a 20-2 run without John Morant? Like, that's ridiculous. Golden State, it's still Golden State, even though injuries the last couple weeks have hurt them. Dallas is still a good team. Utah's good. Denver's good. Uh, Minnesota, definitely a surprise kind of team. I mean, the West is getting healthy finally. Yeah, finally. Holy crap. I mean, Kawhi, who knows? Maybe if Kawhi came back for the playoffs, that would be ridiculous. But George is back. Yeah, Paul George, and I think he's played in three games. Um, So, what? Uh, he dropped like 30 points, I think. So, he has been a very, very good uh, piece for the Clippers. So, they could make a run, but it'd just be very hard to because they win, you know, they beat um, Minnesota now. They're going to play Memphis. I, I think that's a tough – I think Memphis takes it. And especially if, you know, Clippers lose to Minnesota and win the play you got Phoenix. And I think Phoenix is the top team right now in the entire NBA. So, right now, the Clippers seem like, yes, they could go on some kind of a run. But if they play Dallas, if they play Utah, somehow Denver, it'd be better. But fa- facing Phoenix and Memphis, like I mentioned, 
the Memphis best player was out for like 22 some odd games, they were just fine without him. So it's and now that he's going to come back healthy, I, I clip it's going to be tough for the Clippers. Also, apparently, in the last three minutes or so, it became official. Denver is locked into the top six. Minnesota is going to be play play in game bound. Um, just want to get that note out there. Because I mean, you're listening to this obviously after the fact after we report it. Um, so, but here's the thing: Minnesota is 17 and a half games back of the one seat. That's not really relevant for this. But you got San Antonio, who is 11 and a half games back of Minnesota. And because of the plan, there's a scenario that could exist where, you know, let's say Clippers, they beat Minnesota. So Minnesota goes to there, to the second game. You have San Antonio beats New Orleans. Then you get San Antonio and Minnesota. And it's a scenario where you could see San Antonio pull off the upset and get the eighth seed. And then Minnesota, who goes, I mean, 46-35, one more game, 47-35. And then the, the um, Spurs team is 34 48 games like they make the playoffs like that makes no sense um i think they should do what they did a few years ago and you know when they had the bubble season like you had to be in a certain number of games and i i hope that's what they do but who knows adam silver commissioner silver said that playing game is apparently going to be here in some capacity maybe tweaked a bit and that's the tweak i would like to see anyway um don we've been ignoring you for a bit so your thoughts on the NBA and how the um, playoff matches are coming into fruition right now? Okay. Um, the East is probably going to be a lot tougher uh, than the West will be uh, this year. Um, I really like the Eastern Conference matchups. I think that the the Heat should be in for better, a better turnout in the playoffs than they did last year. Um, but yeah, I think, I think these playoffs are going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be, going to be pretty sick and, um, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Uh, news that I don't want to mention, but it is relevant and I'll spin it this way to why we're talking about it now is there's a report, like rumors are kind of out there that the L.A. Lakers will part ways with Frank Vogel after the season ends. Um, okay, it's, an, it's an obnoxious that the Lakers get this many primetime games, especially when they're already out of the playoff contentions. Like, that's another reason I hated the play-in. And, and sort of, I should say hate, because I am a proponent of, you know, more teams in the playoffs, you know, make some excitement down the stretch. But that team was horrible. But because of the play-in, there was a, still a chance they could make the playoffs um, until this week. Now their season's officially over. Um, I think Vogel is unfortunately, you know, finding the same light as David Blatt. Um, and even Ty Lue, to some degree, is kind of scapegoats. Like, oh, the team's kind of sucking. Only problem is LeBron is still on the roster. And, I mean, again, you made the bed with LeBron. You got to lay in it. And, unfortunately, Vogel is getting scapegoated. And he's going to be out of a job, it appears. Again, the team was horrible. It didn't gel together. I think some it has to be, like, roster construction with, like, you know, Rob Palenka. Uh, also, you know, the actual GM, LeBron James, making decision-making here with the Russell Westbrook trade, which I'll admit, at the time I said, you know, I think it might actually work out. Although I also knew that Buddy Hill would have made a lot more sense for this roster because there was a reported trade that Buddy Hill was on their way to L.A., didn't go to fruition there. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but that, yeah, the team 
needs a complete overhaul in the roster, it seems. Because, uh, you know, LeBron, as good as he is at age 37, he'll be fine. Don't get me wrong. You will keep him on the team. Anthony Davis' health concerns there. Westbrook, you know, it's just not a fit, it appears. There's a whole lot that, you know, Polinka and LeBron need to come together and see. And unfortunately, you know, Vogel's going to scapegoat. I think Vogel will be a head coach again somewhere just because, you know, he has a championship from a few years ago. And he's also a great defensive coach from his Indiana time. So someone that will also fire their coach will probably reap the benefits of getting Frank Vogel in their um, office. Let's go Dalton next. Your thoughts on the Lakers potentially parting ways with Frank Vogel. Um, you guys said scapegoat. I think that's a pretty good word for it. Um, this was just poorly planned by the Lakers, and I think it was a whiff for all of us to think that they were going to do some real damage um, in um, the Western Conference this year. I mean, besides doing damage to their team, but um, I think – I think this was probably a scapegoat. They're probably going to try to go out and get Tyron Lue or somebody like that who's been coaching LeBron before. And Tyron's the Clippers head coach. I don't see him leaving I, like that. You, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised, man, for the right yeah, price. Yeah, I would be. You'd be surprised. Um, it's, it's just one of those things. LeBron takes over the team, and, you know, he's the GM, the owner, and the player and the coach, and – he does everything, essentially. So I don't know why everyone else is employed. Um, it's just going to turn into one of those things where kind of like kind of like Cleveland uh, in like a smaller scale. Um, Cleveland was pretty much the same thing where it was getting down to the point where somebody needed to be the scapegoat with that team. And it was, I believe, I'm blanking on his name, David yeah, I- somebody. Yeah. David Platt was the, was the scapegoat, and then they got on. I think it was Gilbert or somebody like that up in the front office. So he was another guy that was having problems with LeBron, because LeBron just wants to take over. He just wants to do his own thing. He wants to bring in his guys, not what's best for the team, but what's best for you know. He wants to have some fun. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I get I get it. Having some fun, that's the whole point, and. But eventually, I mean, don't you want to try to go win a title? Like, don't you want to try to be, oh, I don't know, in the playoffs? So, what it, I mean, like, it, it pretty much, it pretty much is what it is. Um, Lakers weren't really sold on Frank Vogel. I mean, to give the guy after winning a championship to give him like a one year extension instead of a two or a three, kind of suspect. Um, but you know, the Lakers are gonna do what the Lakers do. So, uh. We'll see. We'll see what happens from here. All right, Christian, your thoughts on Frank Vogel potentially being out in LA? Um, I, I'm not shocked. Uh, I did kind of see this coming when Frank Vogel was hired by LA um, a couple of years ago, and as like LeBron's coach, Frank couldn't do anything in Sacramento. And yes, it's Sacramento, so like, why are we comparing it? But at the exact same time, you you can't. I don't know how it's. You can go from coaching Sacramento, one of the. I, worst was, Luke, I think you're mixing with Luke Wall, and Luke Wall was a Sacramento for a bit. Yeah, but I mean, he was, L- was LA to Sacramento, not Sacramento to LA. <laughs> yeah, 
No, Bogle's with Orlando from 2016 and 2018. I think that's what you might be mistaken it for. I thought I thought Vogel was Sacramento's coach before. No. He oh, was. I thought he was. I always thought he was in Sacramento. But anyway, um but I don't just I just never thought Frank Vogel as like a top coach. So it was just weird that like LeBron like wants Frank Vogel. Like LeBron's the real coach, GM, owner of LA. Wherever he says it goes. So they get AD because LeBron wants him. They get Westbrook because LeBron wants him. And but that, you know, Frank Vogel has to be the scapegoat. It's all his fault. They're the, he's the reason that they're not good. I don't really think so. So, I mean, you know, they had to, you know, blame somebody. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, they had to, you know, use somebody as a scapegoat instead of well they've already they've already blamed AD Westbrook people have blamed LeBron you got to kind of look at everybody and like well Westbrook is not the same guy AD hasn't been healthy yet LeBron he is always star power and it sometimes hurts the team like he wanted Kevin you know he wanted Kevin Love uh, kind of hurt the team cuz he wasn't you know consistently healthy in Cleveland uh, wanted Bosch and Dwayne Wade towards the later of the time. D Wade and Bosch were out a ton. Uh, obviously, with the Lakers, a you know they want he wanted the young guys out. He wanted Alonzo, Kuzma, uh, Brandon Ingram. Wanted them all out. Like I want my guys. So obviously, AD joined. Um, you know, Westbrook later on joined, and you know he has his share. We're going to see in the off season. AD gets traded for what's a young what's a young big that LeBron wants to play with, you know I can't think of any like super young bigs that are like desperately trying to get out of their town. Same thing with Westbrook. Okay, what kind of star? Let's go after Damian. Let's go after Bradley because we got to bring the show to LA. And sometimes it doesn't work, whether it's injuries or just the chemistry or what have you. So. It's just we're going to go in this consistent loop again. L.A. is going to be L.A. They can have nobody on the team, just one okay star. They're going to have a million um, main broadcast games. So that's just how it is. Um, I feel feel bad for Frank, but at the same time, like, L.A. is going to blame somebody else except the guy, which is LeBron right now. Yeah, I'm just looking at the NBA standings right now to see who else can fire their coach. Um, I think Detroit, because, you know, Dwayne Casey's been there four seasons. They have no progress. It was a good hire at the time. It just, unfortunately, hasn't worked out for Detroit for multitude of reasons. I think, you know, get someone else and that can you know, develop talent like Cade Cunningham and others, some young guys that could be some very talented guys in the future. Um, a surprise for me, New York, potentially, if they wanted to move on from Thibs after being coach of the year last year, that uh, the only other name that strikes me because I'm looking at, like, Portland just hired a new coach. OKC's coached fairly young. Houston got a new coach not too long ago. Um, I want to see Sacramento hire a new coach not too long ago either. So, I don't know. Do you guys see any other openings that could be available when the season ends in the, on Sunday? Um... Now I've I've heard that Thibodeau in New York is going to keep his job, 
Okay, yeah. Um, I'd say it'd be an outside chance. I don't think he actually will. It, like, I've, I've seen, like, it's more than likely just because New York, New York has a big issue where they have, like, a whole bunch of leads and then they blow them. Yeah. Uh, you know, i.e. last night against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but I don't, like, a lot of the teams are, like, they just got a coach, you know, in the West, Sacramento, the you know Sacramento, Portland, OKC, Houston. Okay, so apparently Sacramento fired their coach mid-season, and Alvin Gentry's yeah. in. So they they have an opening for their spot. Yeah, they'll they'll find somebody. Um, I don't think anybody in the playoffs, any of these playoff teams, will like go over their coach. I'd be shocked. Yeah, San Antonio was not getting rid of Popovich. No, no way. And I understand like Popovich has like, it's not like oh like, he's not a good coach. It's like. Well, I mean, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, uh, Kawhi Leonard, like, they they had some really good pieces when he was there, and they obviously won a whole bunch of championships. So he's a good coach and everything. He's just – there's no stars in San Antonio. And if you go to Texas to play ball, you're not going to San Antonio. You're going to Dallas. So, yeah. Uh, just, this is an interesting discussion because um, NBA, uh, the season ends on Monday. We will have the – Finalized things. Don't know when we're recording. I'm pretty sure the play-in starts um, Monday or Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday when the first play-in game is. So we will we'll probably do the play-in predictions off-air, um, and then we will record sometime next week and give you our thoughts on the overall playoffs. We'll work that. Again. We'll work that out behind the scenes. Don't worry about it. But that's our NBA discussion. On to MLB. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. And the Cincinnati Reds, they actually have a winning record, Christian. I'll let you go on that. Man, it was opening day. You know, I'm one of those kind of guys that um, I I like baseball. I like watching it. I love to um, kind of enjoy baseball. Uh, I'm not one of those – Diehard fans, I don't know everybody on every team. And even Cincinnati, I don't know everybody on a team in the, in the uh, minor leagues and everything. But I do love watching baseball. I do enjoy it. And, man, opening night against the World Series champions, the defending champions. Oh, they raised yeah, the banner night, didn't they? Yeah, they had a, a banner night. They had a, a first pitch by a former Braves pitcher. And uh, we won the game. So Cincinnati Reds wins a game. We are above 500, thank the Lord. Uh, we're probably going to lose the next 161 games in a row, which is 100% time. Uh, we, we're going to trade, like, everybody away for uh, crappy minor league pitchers. It's just what Cincinnati does. So, you know, everybody's, like, upset, by the way, about pitchers not being able to hit in the NL anymore. Don't worry, Cincinnati, we're going to have all pitchers one day. I swear to God, we trade everybody for a pitcher. So, Cincinnati with, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Maul. He was Mal. our main pitcher for tonight. Um, he did good. He did good. I mean, you allowed three runs, but, I mean, at the exact same time, it, it was pretty damn good. Now, coming into the game, nobody's expecting Cincinnati to win, but – we got the dubs, so I'm happy with that. And, you know, this is the first game of a four-game series. Um, 
We're probably going to end the week being one and three. It's 100% fine. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm going to be cocky about this until we lose tomorrow night and Saturday and uh, be very, you know, displeased with how Cincinnati's doing. But I love me some baseball. Baseball is back. Um, I- I'm just happy as a Red fan. We finally won and we're above 500. So I'm happy for it. Yeah, I want to get my predictions, but I don't remember who's on what team because how weird the offseason was with the lockout and everything. It must also be nice to have a game because my Red Sox had to be postponed because of the weather in New York. Uh, Dawn, I know your Blue Jays weren't scheduled to play today, but hey, Blue Jays on a lot of like national pundits, they think they could maybe make a potential World Series run even with, you know, I know they lost some key pieces, but you know, Vladdy's a year older, a lot of other guys. So your thoughts on the Blue Jays? And, you know, national media actually showing some love for Toronto that they could be a World Series contender. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm shocked, really. I mean, I think this is hilarious, to be honest with you. Uh, the fact that they're giving Toronto this much hype is beknownst to me. Um, I can remember going back to the 2016 year. I did not think that they received that much hype when they when they were making it to the ALDS, the ALCS, and... You know, they're doing some real good damage before they ultimately got beaten by the Royals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, gosh, I mean, I don't know, because they lost Robbie Ray to the Mariners, who won the Cy Young last year, and they lost Marcus Simeon, who was a beast. I mean, he was setting franchise records for the Blue Jays. And now he's on the Texas Rangers. So what are they going to do? I mean, we got... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. I like that a lot. Uh, Bo knows Bichette at shortstop. I like that a lot. Uh, now, what's second base going to be like? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, third base, they went out and got Matt Chapman. How's that going to look? Uh, and then the the freaking pitching. I mean. Spencer hears me talk about this guy all the time, but Ross Stripling, for one, can we get this man off the roster? I mean, he does nothing well besides maybe keep the bench warm. I think I think that's it. I think that's I think that's all that he does well, and maybe get the water or the Gatorade. Okay, this man's got a five ERA higher than my GPA, man, and I don't know why he's still on the roster. He's not helping our team. And they just gave Charlie Montoyo, the manager, an extension in the offseason. I think he's either slightly above 500 or he's below 500 because of the rebuilding year. I just don't get the hype. I don't get the hype. Um, And the AL East is one of the toughest divisions in baseball. We got to play the Boston Red Sox, the Yankees. The Oilers stink, but, you know, we'll probably lose to them a couple times because – it's the Oilers. The Oilers? Um, the Orioles, excuse me. Say, you are, dude, you're thinking hockey right now. Yeah, I am. Or um, NFL. Um, And then the Rays. The freaking Rays, man. I mean, they're pretty good as well. So, I don't know. I, I don't really get this World Series hype. I mean, you can hype us up all you want, but the thing about it is, last year, they... They were under the radar, and they could have made it into the playoffs, but they had to beat a couple teams down the stretch, and they couldn't get it done. 
even even with the you know the eventual Cy Young winner on the mound, mind you, like he was starting and they couldn't get it done. So I I, I mean we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think I think this group is more seasoned. I think the the guys who they called up way back when, Vladdy and Bo, I think that they're more seasoned and they're gonna have a breakout year, but I mean Bruh, I'll believe it when I see it, to be honest with you, because the division is just so tough. And um, I can never – I'm thinking right now, like, I'm not thinking World Series. I mean, you got you to gotta be able to win the division first before you even think about all that other stuff or even get into the playoffs. I mean, we couldn't even get into the playoffs last year because it was so tough. So, um, yeah. Win the division, but Atlanta didn't. Oh yeah, Atlanta didn't win the division. I thought they were wild card of World Series last year. My apologies on that. I mean, I was about to say Atlanta. Actually, they were division winners, so I would have looked like a fool more so than normal. I mean, Spence, even a wild card team, bro. They couldn't even get into the wild card last year. So what we talking about World Series? They couldn't even get into the wild card. Hey, they expanded playoffs this year, so you guys have a better chance. Oh, we do have a better chance, but I would like to see us actually do some damage in the division because last year we were not, despite being one of the younger teams in the league, they were they were good in spurts, but then they were just awful. So I like to see some more consistency, is for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun season again. Season opening day was earlier today. Um, it's gonna be a long season for sure. It's gonna be some exciting summer. Maybe we'll be on the road at some games. So hey, if you if you're a baseball fan, we'll tell you what games we'll go to. If you want to come say hi to us, I know you have no clue we look like outside the cover art. Um, that's story for another day though. Shifting gears to the NFL, not a whole lot unless Christian wants to add some um, combine and uh, you know some draft hype at the end of this segment. But Stephon Diggs did just recently sign an extension with the Buffalo Bills. Of course, Buffalo traded a first-round pick. Ended up being Justin Jefferson to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, you know, Vikings selected Justin Jefferson to replace Stephon Diggs. I think it's one of those deals, you know, both sides seemed to work down their favor. Um, and, you know, Buffalo, they love Diggs. You get Diggs and Allen locked up for... It was a four-year extension with a two-year result in the contract. So he's... Locked up for the next six seasons, um, as we stand today, it's it's huge for Buffalo. But I am somewhat cautioned with it because I'm trying to think of a big receiver contracts, which we've seen a lot this offseason with you know Devonte Adams. Um, who's the other guy that just signed a big contract? I'm blanking on right now. It's a receiver, Tyreek. Tyreek, uh, yes. I don't know why I blame well, Tyreek was traded, then he got the contract. Yeah, he got traded, signed a big extension. We see these contracts go out to receivers. Can it work? I think it can work, but you also need to have some good number twos, number threes, fours. Look at LA last year. Dolan, I know you can attest to 100% on that. You guys, sure, Cooper Cup was arguably the best. Yeah, not even arguably. He was the statistically best receiver in the NFL last year, and your other guys were also very good receivers. We saw Tampa a few years ago. Mike Evans, great receiver. You have some good complimentary pieces along the roster. I'm not saying these teams don't have those pieces. I'm not saying they can't afford to or they won't have it. But I, I'm being a little cautious, but also I do like the move for Buffalo. Because we saw Diggs and Adams last year. Diggs and Allen, excuse me, last year. That duo was fantastic. 
Uh, it hurt New England a lot, I know. And hopefully, you know, Buffalo, if they, I don't want them to win a Super Bowl, obviously, but if this is good for them. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you lock up your number one receiver. But you also, you know, we saw last year Gabriel Davis in the playoffs had some big games. And I get it. I just hope that it doesn't hurt them too much financially if I was a Bills fan. I'll go Christian next here. Your thoughts on the Diggs extension in Buffalo? Um, It's huge. You know, obviously Josh Allen and, you know, the Buffalo Bills with Diggs, um, they are probably the favorite to win the AFC East again. I'm sorry, Spencer. Like, depending on what happens to the draft and injuries and the actual season, preseason, pre-draft favorites, I say, are the Buffalo Bills. Miami got better with getting Tyreek, which puts a lot of pressure on Tua. Uh, Obviously, New England needs to focus mightily on defense this year, and if defense gets better, secondary especially, um, we can see a whole bunch of, you know, some real talented uh, and really some really good games uh, in the AFC East. The New York Jets, I'm sorry, like you're just kind of in the basement still. Um, but for Stephon Diggs, I mean, he's one of the best receivers right now. Obviously, the Minneapolis Miracle really helping that receiving core grow uh, with Adam Thielen. Uh, now with Justin Jefferson replacing Diggs a couple of seasons ago. Stephon, it's a little bit of a back. You know, we didn't see him absolutely dominate uh, in Buffalo, but we have seen him do very, very well. Uh, and, I, and I hope to continue seeing that, you know, with Kevin, uh, not Kevin Knox, uh, but Knox, the tight end, who's, you know, really coming up very well. Oh, Dawson. Dawson. I was thinking, of, like, it's not Kevin Knox. That's the former, uh, I think he's in Atlanta now, uh, but he's the NBA player. But Dawson Knox has played very well. Uh, knowing he got rid of Cole Beasley, who's going to be the number two receiver? Could it be? Uh, and I forget his name who popped off in the Chiefs game, uh, yes. the AFC title game. But, you know, they're they're going to, you know, need to find a number two receiver in the draft. Uh, probably not first round, but locking down Stephon, Josh Allen, and he are going to do a very, very good job. Uh, and possibly, you know, now with the new overtime rule, uh, they could absolutely make it to the Super Bowl uh, I think soon and possibly winning for the great fans of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Dolan, your thoughts on the Stefan Diggs extension. Oh, good. It's really good because um, they'll be able to uh, keep a guy who's a number one for Josh Allen and uh, he'll be able to thrive. And it's a nice signing bonus, by the way. Uh, good for him. And we love to see it for these wide receivers. Instead of being the icing on the cake, they're now necessary. Necessary to have. You see certain teams who don't really have that many good wide receivers. They're floating by the wayside. Uh, and then the teams who are really making 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 some noise and doing some damage are, are, are like those teams that have a lot of good wide receivers. Yeah, going to be a... F- Fun, uh, you know, for Buffalo, it's gonna be a fun season for them. Uh, Chris, you got any draft or combine news and notes you want to say before we move on? Um, not a ton. Obviously, a lot of people 
um, are excited, including myself, about the upcoming NFL draft uh, three weeks time. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. You know, the next two weeks, you know, we're going to look at, uh, I know we're going to possibly have a, uh, you know, a pre-draft look of the first round or at least the top 10. Um, but, you know, especially next week, expect me to uh, talk about uh, possible team needs. Uh, and of course, like who are the favorites in the draft? Where could they go? Who could rise? Who could fall? Um, it's going to be very exciting. So I cannot wait to talk about the AFC and the NFC the next, these next two weeks. And the draft is going, you know, the draft is upon us. And cannot wait to see how these NFL teams are going to build up their roster and try and win the Super Bowl next year. All right. Real quick, we'll briefly touch on the Masters. Round one's complete. Uh, right now, the uh, Korean Sunjae M, I definitely butchered that. I apologize for that. He's in the lead at five under. Cameron Smith, he's four under. Dustin, Just, Dustin Johnson, excuse me, highest placing American at three under. It's, you know, very close. Obviously, it's, it's one round in. Not a whole lot of separation. Uh, bit of a surprise for some, maybe. Tiger Woods, one under, tied for 10th. Okay. A lot can happen through three more rounds of golf. I was saying earlier, David, to some people and a few uh, friends, I would not, I wouldn't be surprised or shocked it wouldn't, yeah. It wouldn't surprise or shock me if Tiger either made it or missed the cut. I think you know he's been out for a while. He had that back injury from the car crash. Uh, I'm just glad he's playing. It's good for the sport. It's like, like casual golf fans like myself. If Tiger's in, you know the name Tiger. You're gonna be tuning in, and I'll watch it regardless because you know it is the Masters. Uh, doesn't really bother me. You know Jordan Spieth, former champ. He's two over at 43. Um. Just looking for some other noble names. It, it, it's it. one more day. Just make the cut if you're um, if you're in the field, and we'll go from there. Uh, Dolan, do you want to say anything about the Masters? Uh, not really. Not really. No, I think it'll be a uh, a good a good Masters tournament this year. Lots of lots of good golfers, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh if Tiger can get his sixth jacket. We'll see um if uh Scotty Scheffler can keep his hot streak going. He's he's won three out of his uh last six um uh, PGA starts. So, you know, if he can if he can keep his hot streak going, we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh Scott Scheffler is the number one ranked golfer right now. So uh obviously he's He's not looking too good so far after round one. We'll see uh, for round two if he'll if he'll maybe step it up on the on the uh, on the on the greens. Christian, do you have any uh, much to say about the Masters through one day? I mean, not not much. Kind of like Don uh, Hideke, uh, the defending Masters champion. Uh, he went even today. Uh, it's been very kind of close. I mean, this is one of a tougher kind of uh, courses to really do well uh, these last several weeks and months. You have seen golfers hit 19 under, 20 under, even some 9, 10 under. Right now, Yim, um, he's right now at 5 under, and that's impressive. You know, he went 67 today. Um, you know, 5 under, he's done really well. Obviously, of course, Tiger Woods, everybody wants him to do really well. Uh, and – you know, everyone, like, when you're tied for 10th, it doesn't matter 
uh, who's at the 10th, but of course, Tiger Woods, who's probably one of the most famous golfers uh, today. Of course, his name is brought up as number 10 as he's the leader of the top 10. That doesn't, you know, that's just more of a you know, promotion kind of thing. But, I mean, it's been very good right now. Um, I've been, you know, I watched it a little bit this morning. Probably going to watch it tomorrow as well. Uh, Dustin Johnson has done real well. Cameron Smith, you know, Yoquan Neiman. Uh, he kind of, you know, he popped up the last several weeks. Uh, again, he had like a negative. I think he had 22 under par, you know, against, you know, in a tournament uh, several weeks ago. But, I mean, right now it's very impressive. Um, you know, Tiger has played a full round. We didn't think we would ever see him play a full round after his car accident. Um, but, yeah, I'm very excited to watch it. And definitely cannot wait to see uh, who comes out with the uh, the jacket, you know, Sunday evening. Yeah. Uh, one thing of note locally, Justin Thomas, he, Lowell native, he's currently tied for 70th with, you know, notables like Bryson DeChambeau, both four over. Um, I, I don't know how okay, – I think golf, you got to be like top half of the field, then plus if you're tied there. So, a little, also a little bit of note, I'm just looking this up real quick, history. In 2020, both um, Sunjay M and Cameron Smith were the runner-ups to Dustin Johnson. And those are the two – currently, you know, that, was just, that was two years ago. But nonetheless, those guys have done well on this course in the past. So, we'll see – how that goes. News that I know Dalton does have some stuff prepared for is racing. So, Dalton, take over your racing segment. Um. Okay, cool. Um. Thank you, Spence. So, this past weekend was the Richmond race for NASCAR. And happy to see it. But, uh, Denny Hamlin, fellow Toyota, uh, came in first. And then Kevin Harvick came in Second, William Byron and third, who actually coincidentally today won the Camping Camping World Truck Series race at Martinsville. Um, Martin Truex Jr. came in fourth, and Kyle Larson came in fifth. Uh, 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 Leader Ryan Blaney came in seventh. My personal favorite, Kyle Busch, came in eight, came in ninth. Um, Alex Backett Tuum Bowman came in eighth. Um, and then Spencer's personal favorite, Austin Sendrick, came in twentieth. Um, good to see. I mean, I watched some of it. And I thought, you know, it's a short track, kind of tight. So uh, you really had to find your positioning and really uh, submit your positioning. Um, so I, I was working on Sunday, so I was able to see some of it, but not a lot. Um, let's go to the standings real quick. We got Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott tied for first 241 points. Martin Truex Jr. with two, with 222 points. William Byron with 218, and Joey Logano with 215 to round out the top five. Um, this past weekend, stage wins. Um, Ryan Blaney won stage one, Martin Truex won stage two, and then obviously Denny Hamlin uh, with the win. Um, 
Martin Truex, interesting fact, has the most most stage wins at Richmond. Ryan Bellini has three stage wins this season, which is most of any driver, which explains how he's in first. Um, and the well, tied for first in the Cup standings. This weekend will be in Martinsville. Uh, the, according to ESPN, the defending champ is Truex Jr. So it's kind of a short track, kind of a small track. So I expect the Toyotas to to make their presence known. Um, on that track, look out for, although look out for William Byron, uh, Kyle Busch, um, but I think I think a Toyota will probably win this race or take mo- take up most of the top three. Um, that'll be interesting. That's on seven thirty p.m. on FS One, uh, Martinsville, Virginia. Mark it down for Saturday. That's what it. That's what it is. Um, and then moving on to F one, my personal favorite. Uh, so we had the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. That was like two weeks ago. I mentioned that to you guys already. Max Verstappen came in first. Charles Leclerc in second. Carlos Sainz in third. Sergio Perez in fourth. And then our man George Russell, the Brit, in fifth. Um, so the Australian Grand Prix. They've had a practice so far. Charles Saints and Charles Leclerc. Uh, Carlos Saints, excuse me. And Charles Leclerc were able to do the most laps in practice. Obviously, with these practices, you just have to test out your your car. Or, um, and, you know, see see what needs to be fixed, if anything. That'll be this Sunday, 1 o'clock in the morning, apparently, on ESPN, because it is in Australia, in Melbourne, to be exact. The current, the current standings for the drivers, Leclerc in first with 45 points, Saints in second with 33 points, Verstappen in third with 25 points, Russell in fourth with 22 and Lewis Hamilton in fifth with 16. Obviously, from the just by you can tell that it's a much, much different year so far. We see that um, Ferrari has been able to have really, really good races so far, and Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen have not. They've had issues with their with their carts and uh, with their with their particular team and uh the Ferraris have gotten out to a hot start, a fast start, if you will. Um Ferrari and the constructor standings, this is what I'm talking about. Ferrari is has 78 points right now. Mercedes has 38. So you see that they're trying to they're basically building a large, large margin, about 40 points, and we're two races in. Red Bull has got 37, Alpine with 16 and Haas with 12. So, you know, Ferrari's got a pretty good, pretty good team this year. And uh, look for them to do some more damage as they go to Melbourne, Australia for this weekend's race. Once again, one o'clock in the morning on ESPN. Never thought I'd hear those words come out of my mouth for a Formula One race, but that's what's going to happen, apparently. So, that's it. That's all I got, buddy. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Saul.
for that. Uh, Chris, anything else you have to add to anything? Um, no. I mean, I think you know it's a it's been a great week of sports. Uh, obviously, you know the draft is coming up, so I'm very excited for that and give you guys a breakdown of who I think uh, teams should go after with their first pick. You know, unless you're the LA Rams and who you're going to go after at the end of day three. So, yeah, I'm just very excited for this week of sports. We all know Rams are gone. Dicker, Dicker the kicker. Dicker we the kicker it. would be a very nice pick for. Let's go. I definitely would say that. Let's go, baby. We don't pick until 104. Yes. Let's go. I can't wait, dude. They they hit on every single one of their draft picks anyway, or most of them. So, I'm, I'm fine. Well, you know, Dalton's going to, you know, say, who the F is this? So, <laughs> well, well, can't wait. We, can't wait I was just thinking about that the other day. I was making myself laugh because of that. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. So, who the F is who? The F is who? Carter too. Yes, yes. He made some. He was making some really, really good plays. And so, ah, jeez. Sorry, guys. Give me some nostalgia for a minute. Gosh, we need to watch the draft again this year. Yeah, oh, maybe absolutely. I'll, maybe I'll maybe I'll do a few more, a few a few more quotes. I'll put a few more in there for you guys. All right. Well, Christian, thanks for coming on. Dolan and I will be back with a quick ad break to recap both the men's and women's Final Four. So don't go anywhere. All right, everybody. Welcome back for the final segment of the show where we will recap what was an exciting Final Four on the men's side, women's side. You know, not so much exciting. I mean, it, but yeah, we'll, we'll recap the women's side because we show them some love. We try to show love both ways on this podcast. So, first off, on the men's side of things, we'll start Final Four. Let's start with the first match of the Final Four, Dalton. The one that wasn't, you know, didn't live up to, it wasn't much hype to begin with. But Kansas-Villanova, Kansas, you know, winning easily, 81-65 in that game. Uh, Villanova, you know, losing their one of their star players. We Kansas was predictable, in my opinion. I, I had Kansas winning that game. Dalton, did you, any major takeaways from you with that game? I didn't, way, I thought it was, you know, Kansas better team, healthier, and that's what was going to happen. I thought that, you know, Kansas was obviously the better team. I thought that they played better. I thought that they were uh, seemingly one of the one of the better rosters, and um, this is not surprising to me what happened at all. Yeah. The other game, very good game. UNC, Duke, again, both resolution games were very uh, lopsided both ways. Duke winning once, Carolina winning once. The first game in the the first time in instant meeting, um, they've been close before. If you are, it comes out on top, Duke, and then you, Baycott at twenty one. It was you know back and forth game there, and. Okay, I, when the Sweet 16 happened, when we saw who was still left at the Sweet 16, I looked at it, I'm like, okay, we have a real possibility we get UNC and Duke, and if they play, I'm going recency bias, but I think UNC would end it, and that would be the worst case for Coach K to lose to a rookie head coach at his biggest rival in North Carolina. And that's unfortunately what happened there. Uh, I thought it was a great game. I was happy UNC won, you know, for the uh, fourth time ever. The eighth seed is in the championship game. Don, you had Duke, correct me if I'm wrong on that. 
winning that game? Yes, I did, unfortunately. Uh, so what was your uh, – are you actually a Duke in your main bracket going to the championship game, if I'm not mistaken? So your thoughts on the Duke-UNC game? I was pissed, let's be honest. I was pissed. I'm not having a good time. Uh, and plus, I had some money on the side that I needed Duke to win in order for me to get said money. So, uh, yeah, I was not a happy camper at all. Um, I think I think one thing is, too, we – well, I should say we. I didn't think – I didn't think that UNC – I thought the UNC was – because the rivalry was too much for both teams, I thought that UNC was going to be able to um, do some damage, maybe for a little bit. But Duke, as the what they've done in the tournament the, so far, obviously uh, being able to take care of their opponents as they did, um, I for some reason thought that Duke was just gonna pull it out. Maybe maybe my bias was there, but um looking back on it, UNC had a pretty good track to get there. Um beating the defending champ. Uh and I think Dude, man, I was not happy, to be honest. I was not happy. Uh, but, you know, congrats to them. They made it to the national championship with a rookie, with a, with a first-year head coach. And I think that's pretty phenomenal, to say the least. I can say what I want about, you know, not being able to not being able to pick the right team. But uh, I give UNC all the credit in the world. I mean, that was a phenomenal job what they did. It was a game that lived up to the hype because if you're watching, I mean, I'm just trying to think back right now. The final like two minutes, it seemed that like they were trading shot for shot with each other, and I, I, you couldn't ask for a better basketball game, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Anyway, on to the championship game. You had Kansas and UNC, the two schools that Roy Williams coached in his career. You know, and enough, both guys succeeded. Roy Williams. Kansas. Um, this game, I, I looked up at halftime or something, or like I think when the run start, the second half started, because I was like, well, I'm just curious, like, what was the biggest halftime or biggest blown lead in a championship game? And then, of course, the broadcasters were going to say it too. In the first half, Kansas led by, or Kansas, they led early. UNC comes up, they end up leading by 16 at one point, 15 at the halftime. The largest halftime deficit overcome. Um, was 98 Kentucky. They were down 10 at the half, came back. But Loyola, Chicago, I know the darlings of the recent years, Sister Jean and company, back in 1963, they were down 15 in the second half, about 14 and a half minutes to go. Uh, I believe it was Cincinnati they played that year. And they came back to force overtime, and they didn't win that game. So Kansas trailed by 16. Uh, I don't know about your thought process, Dahl, but for me, I was thinking, you know, there's still plenty of basketball left. We've seen Kansas here. They're also we saw just a few rounds ago up 25. Unfortunately, you know, Brady Manic got ejected, but they blew a 25 point lead of just in the second round of the tournament. And I also just you know, I thought, you know, Oche Abaji was really good. Um, you know, you David McCormick had a great his great season, but Braun, 
Remy Martin off the bench. I just thought Kansas has a lot of talent. They're not done yet. I don't know. What, dude, what was your thought process during the game? As you see, UNC's up 50 at the half, uh, going into halftime. Do you think this game was you know out of reach, over? Um, how did, what was your processing of that event? Well, at halftime, I was actually on my way home from work, and I looked at the score, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I picked Kansas to pull this thing out, and they're letting me down. I was like, this is this is what happened with Duke. This is this is not great. Spencer's gonna say he, he told me so on the pod. He's gonna be like this and that. This. How would I have told you so? I picked Kansas to win the game. Um. Uh, okay, fair point. But also, I feel like you would have. Well, I did get the final four game wrong, and you got that one right. So at least that would have been true, and it was. Yeah. But um, I was thinking, wow. I, is North Carolina really going to do this? Is North Carolina how 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 did did, did the seeding really have that much of an impact? Where we just thought that North Carolina was not this good, or they just heat up at the right time? Uh, that's that's what I thought of the halftime score, and I was like, now what about Kansas? I mean, Kansas is the best team the Big Twelve had to offer. The only number one seed left. And if Kansas has all this hype, why are they down by so much at halftime? And, I mean, they came out, man. And uh, from what I heard and what I could see, it was all rock chalk Jayhawk in the second half. And they they turned it up, man. Um, yeah, and good. I was like, like, near the end of the game, there was that one play where Kansas is inbound the ball and the guy catches it, he steps out of bounds, and he turns it right back over. Yes, and he thought, I... oh, UNC's got a chance here. And it, it was going to be Caleb Love more than likely shooting it. It was Caleb Love, if I'm mistaken. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was I was thinking, like, he went out of bounds, and I was like, wait a minute, how do you go out of bounds right there? you got to stay in bounds. If I'm them, I try to keep that thing, like, sure, they got it out on the side, but I try to keep that thing in the middle of the court. Because that wastes more time. If you if you take it down the sideline, you risk going out of bounds, which in turn can stop the clock, and it's also a turnover, which gives the other team the ball back. So, I I mean it did work out for them, but you know if you I mean we can we can do hypotheticals all all the all the all the time, Spence. But Caleb Love makes that three. And UNC wins that game. How are we talking about stepping out of bounds now? Oh, that's one hundred percent going to be the it's the biggest um, you know misstep in tournament history. I guess. Yeah, and, it's it's a game changer. I mean, that is literally a game changer. That and gives, also to be the talk of not fouling when you're up three down the stretch because they didn't yeah. foul love because he got a shot off almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. It's a good thing that Caleb didn't make that three. I thought for a minute that I thought that they were going to try to do instead of more ISO, maybe like a couple passes or maybe at least one pass off a screen to get somebody open once they got the inbound uh, and get a get a cleaner shot because I didn't think that shot that Caleb Love put up was very clean at all. It was a desperation shot because that's all he had to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my takeaway that I had said on local radio here in our hometown, uh, like last week, I thought that 
Bill Self had the most to gain. Bill Self is now a two-time NCAA champion with Kansas. Is Kansas is fourth of the program. But Bill Self now has moved to an, an elusive club. Only 16 coaches have won two or more national championships. Uh, yeah, sure, Jay Wright could have moved to three, but that's not the case. Bill Self now a two-time champion with the Kansas Jayhawks, winning uh, previously in 08, win, and they beat Memphis. So, again, happy for Bill Self, happy for Kansas. They get uh, a Rock Chalk championship. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Paul Pierce, Kansas alum. He was at the game. He's very excited. Uh, Do anything you want to say before we move on to the women's side of things? Uh, good for them. Happy to see it. Uh, let's move on to the women's side of things, homie. All right. We'll start with the first game of the women's Final Four was South Carolina-Louisville. Uh, unfortunately for me, Louisville had lost that game, 72-59. I'm not going to blame the refs. That's not something I do. It was just frustrating. You know, Leah Boston showed why she was the player of the year. And because of WNBA rules regarding eligibility, she can't declare for the draft. She's coming back for another year. Aaliyah Boston was great. She had 23 points, 18 rebounds. Emily Inksler on Louisville's site. Sad way for her to go out because she did foul out in that game. But this term run, you know, the Syracuse transfer, 18 points in the Final Four, nine rebounds. Um, but Louisville can hit three-pointers, and that was their downfall. South Carolina, first half, they weren't shooting lights out from three at all. But then, unfortunately, in the second half, they kept hitting threes, and that did Louisville in because Louisville couldn't retaliate. Uh, you know, South Carolina was the best team all year, and the best team won that game. I don't know, Dawn, your thoughts on uh, South Carolina-Louisville, that game? Um, South Carolina-Louisville. I was looking back on it. I was really frustrated at why, you know, the the substitutions just seemed off. It just seemed like South Carolina had an answer for everything that Louisville was trying to do. And, of course, um, one of Louisville's best, best players, not Haley Van Lith, but uh, uh, the other one, uh, Emily Erlanger, I think. Uh, yeah. She, she – early on I thought that was a complete game changer uh, in 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 favor of South Carolina um them being the the better seed and stuff like that so yeah I, yeah most most U of all fans that I talked to um they they thought that it was not going to be a good game a buzzsaw if you will because South Carolina was just so much better Okay, on to the uh, the second semifinal. You had uh, UConn, who I predict UConn make the final uh, championship game as the runner up before the year began, and they made the championship game there. UConn beat Stanford. I'll admit I didn't watch much. I was you know just a little upset with Louisville losing. I called a bits and pieces of the UConn Stanford game. Full transparency there, but UConn making it back to the towel game. Not a whole big surprise there because. Their UConn, although it is weird, they haven't won since 2016, and now we'll continue to mention that stat until UConn wins again. But Stanford, the defending champion, unfortunately, they're not going to win it all. Haley Jones, I mean, from Stanford, had a great game, led Stanford in all the, the three main categories, points, rebounds, and assists. And I believe I read Haley Jones is coming back for a fifth year at Stanford, which is a huge get for the Cardinal. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, Connecticut, Paige Beckers, 14 points. Leading the Huskies back to the tall game. Dawn, do you have any thoughts on Stanford and UConn? Uh, Stanford had a chance there. Uh, they had a chance towards the end. Uh, couldn't couldn't get it done. Uh, UConn once again coming out of the Bridgeport region or the Final Four and doing it. They've shown their dominance over the course of the past two 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 decades, three decades, something like that. Yeah. And um, it continues. It continues. On to, you know, the championship game, South Carolina-UConn. Um, UConn, actually, early in the year, they scored 44 points against Georgia Tech. I think that was the first game that Paige Beckers missed this year, and that's why they couldn't score. Because I was thinking, like, UConn does not score under 50 points often. Like, it can't be, like – and I was, like, curious when the last time it happened. It was earlier this year, actually. I don't know the last time that happened in the tournament. But South Carolina, again, you know, it wasn't even Leah Boston who was great. I mean, she was great as always. But Destiny Henderson, Hender, yeah, Henderson, she was fantastic in the championship game, dropping uh, 26 points, career high for her. Uh, Meshie Lee South Carolina to the second title. Leah Boston, you know, 16 rebounds. She was named play, uh, Final Four most setting player. Uh, yeah, I guess UConn, the first time in the Gino Oriama era, and probably in program history too at the point, that UConn did not win the national championship game and they were playing in it. Gino was had a, had a perfect 11-0 record in title games, and it's now 11-1. So congratulations to Don Staley and company. You knocked off a program that had never been a runner-up before. Um, that is the first time UConn has ever done that. Uh, Dawn, your thoughts on South Carolina winning their second title in program history and defeating the Yukon Huskies. South Carolina seemed like the best team. Uh, despite losing the SEC championship, that just fueled them to go out and absolutely dominate uh, their competition. And they did just that. Um, the national championship game was not even close, man. Not even close. And that just shows that they had great coaching and great players, and South Carolina deserved to win the championship. Yeah. WNBA draft is coming up soon. You'll hear names, you know, Dustin Henderson, Emily Inkslow, like we mentioned. Um, people we haven't mentioned, like Ryan Howard is potentially the number one overall pick. Um, this year, Atlanta Dream just traded for the number one overall pick. But yeah, it'll be other. Um, it should be a fun draft. It will be either Ryan Howard or Nelissa Smith out of Baylor. One of those two girls more than likely will be the number one pick in the draft. It seems like it's trending towards Ryan Howard from Kentucky at the moment. But nonetheless, you can watch the draft uh, early on next week. I'll, I'll, I don't know if I'll watch it live. I, I'm, I'll try to at least. I'll definitely you know keep up with who's going where. Because this should be a fun draft. should be a fun to be made season that starts in a few weeks. Uh, Don, anything else you want to add before we wrap the show up? Uh, nope, that'll be it. All right. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And for Christian Ernst, this has been Out of Bounds, and we'll see you again next week.